Oh yeah, hour number three. If you've missed any of this, hit that Odyssey app, the rewind feature. Check out all the great guests we've had today. We've talked about the MLB spring trainings upon us, broke down the AL East. Uh, we've talked about uh, who is going to be the MVP of the NFL because it's never too early to get into that stuff. So all you can find that at the Odyssey app, hit the rewind button. Of course, our BetQL uh, daily podcast drops right after the show, catch up and everything. And of course, make that money with some great bets. Good stuff. Coming up in this hour, we've got our guy, Isaac Trotter. Yes, from 24-7. He's a national basketball, uh, a national college basketball writer for 24-7. We bring him in now. And Isaac, my brother, listen, my NIL alumni money for, for Creighton University. I bought many shoelaces for these guys on their shoes. That's about all. That's about how far my dollars go. I got the Jays tonight, my Creighton Blue Jays at home against the unanimous number one UConn Huskies. And as Ric Flair would say, to be the man, you have got to beat the man. Are the Blue Jays going to be the man tonight? I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. This is a good spot for Creighton. You know, I think UConn coming off that emotional, big, huge win against Marquette. If we've learned anything in college basketball, it's that like, hey, you have a great win. That next game is not going to be super easy. I think of that Kansas game, right? They beat Houston. Hey, man, Kansas' A game is back. Like, look at this team. Then they go on the road. They play a tough team in Kansas State, and they lose two days later. Like, that's kind of life in college basketball this year. And I, I think, you know, Sometimes we have to zoom out to and, and just look at just the matchup on the floor. This is a, a Creighton team that I went back and watched their game against UConn from the first time, and they got phys out physical. They got out toughed in that game, gave up a ton of offensive rebounds. But I thought they got great looks from three. So in order to prep for this, I, I went back and I, I counted it. I did a little bit of uh, I did a little bit of checking on it. They shot 26 threes. I, you know, I graded 18 of them as open against UConn in the first matchup. I thought they got great looks from three. 18 threes open for one of the best shooting teams in college basketball. I think I'm going to be on Creighton tonight, and you could get them at plus two and a half, plus three and a half in certain spots. If you want to sprinkle the money line, I think that's totally fair. Like, I, I think they have a really good opportunity to get into the paint, spray it out to a lot of really good shooters, and this UConn team is great. And I'm not dissing UConn at all, but on the road where Creighton can shoot it really well, I also thought that Creighton defended UConn pretty well last game as well, held them to about one point per possession, which was like the second worst performance that UConn's had all year. UConn's a wagon offensively, and they struggled against Creighton. And Creighton, the why, like Creighton's shot profile defensively forces you to take just a ton of those mid-range twos. That's not what UConn wants to do. Like they really don't want to take those shots. They had to take a few more of those than they wanted to against Creighton in the first matchup. So those are kind of the angles that I'm attacking for this group. Long story short, I think Creighton plus three and a half is a bet for me. I think Creighton money line is a bet for me. I think they're going to find a way to get it done at home and they need a signature win. And, and UConn is the best team in college basketball, but I, I don't think they're like completely like, just never going to lose ever again. And I think it's a good spot for Creighton tonight. My man. Let's go to the other side, a team that we might think might never win again in uh, in SEC competition. And that's Missouri. Home dogs getting 11 and a half against Tennessee. Tennessee obviously trying to break into that next tier. Um, definitely a dangerous team. How do you see this one playing out? 
the angle with me for Missouri all year has been attacking them on the glass. Uh, they're one of the worst rebounding teams in college basketball, one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in college basketball. I think they're 355th in offensive rebounding so far nationally. So for me, it's Jonas Adu over seven and a half rebounds. He's the starting center for Tennessee. He's hit this number in big time games. And I, I went back and looked at it seven straight games. The opposing center has hit over seven and a half rebounds against Missouri. If you can offensive rebound, you can cruise over that. And part of me, I think this number is a little bit lower because he's been lined at seven and a half basically all year. I, I think some people are wondering if he's going to get his full minutes allotment if Tennessee just beats the doors off of off of Missouri and maybe he only plays 22 minutes. I think that's maybe why it's seven and a half. But I think I'm going to ride with it just because on the road, you maybe trust Missouri to stick around a little bit longer, help him to get into his rotation. And if he plays his regular normal minutes allotment, if he gets that 28, 29 minute mark, it's going to be hard for him not to hit over seven and a half rebounds just with with this matchup and, and how, you know, untrustworthy Missouri is on the glass. Yeah, you know, we we've it's been such a narrative, right? Ranked teams against uh, on the road losing uh to unranked teams and so that narrative fits a little bit of a different narrative. It, it's 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 kind of what Elvis used to say. Take this pill. It, it's like vitamins except different. Um San Diego State 19th ranked, but they are on the road as dogs to Utah State, uh, you know, San Diego State getting two and a half. You liking this? The Mountain West, surprisingly good. You know, we've talked about it before. They could get six teams in. You like the Aggies laying two and a half against a ranked uh, San Diego State uh, San Diego State Aztec team? I do. Yeah, I think this is a good spot for Utah State as well. I I'm not a big trends guy. I don't use that as part of my handicapping. But when I find a number that serves my narrative, I'm going to use it, right? Utah State 7-3 and three at home against the spread this year. So that's something that I, I think is interesting. Home teams at home in Mountain West play has kind of been like a pretty basic staple all year long. If you've been betting home favorites, you're probably winning. If you're betting the home team in Mountain West play, you're probably doing pretty well. I don't have the exact updated numbers on that, but that's been a trend for different parts of the year. And then just from the matchup perspective, I think Utah State has the size and the guard play to you know live up to the pressure that San Diego State's going to bring to you. This is a, also just a matchup of two outstanding bigs. Great Osabar has been phenomenal for Utah State this year, one of the best transfers in college basketball. And Jaden Ledee, he's built like a brick house like he puts up huge numbers in the weight room you can just tell he's just chiseled it's a it's a gonna be a big time war but give me the home team and don't overlook this utah state hates san diego state like hates them like this is not like this is not some like normal just another mountain west game like they despise this team and so i think that's going to play into it tonight that arena is going to be completely juiced up Utah State needs this one to continue to buff up their resume. I think, I mean, right now they're playing for seed line. They're not necessarily playing to make the tournament. They're playing for seed line. Obviously, Mountain West Championship is on the line as well, too, with the just, I think they have seven teams within one game of first place. It's unbelievable. So, but I'll ride with Utah State. Give me that two and a half. Let's go to the Big 12. TCU heads to Lubbock, take on Texas Tech, who have been a tough, tough out at five and a half here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I don't think I can, I don't think, I think this is a stay away for me. You know, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those things where I think that Texas tech is a talented group, but right now Warren Washington has been up in the air with an injury. Uh, he hurt his toe. Now they thought that he broke it. He ended up just spraining his toe. That's a big loss for them. Now he didn't play last time against Iowa state. We'll see if he can play tonight. I'm, 
hesitant on that. It seemed like it was going to be a little bit longer, but you'll just have to watch the reports for that. And that that changes them a lot, right? Their backup big men are really young, really inexperienced. They've had moments are starting to get a little bit better this year, but their on-off splits with uh, Warren Washington on the floor have been phenomenal. They really, you know, they they shoot just a lot of jumpers when he's on the bench. They don't have any other rim pressure. So when you're playing jump shot roulette against TCU, that's a little bit scary. Uh, a really, really good defensive team. So I think it's a stay away for me. But if Warren Washington plays, I'll probably be on Texas Tech side. I think they're the better team. I think they can get after TCU a little bit. Um, even though they're a little bit younger, I like the skill that they play with. I love the shooting. They had an injury early in the year to Devin Cambridge. That ended up being a little bit of a blessing in disguise for them just because they've been able to play Kerwin Walton and Chance McMillian more. Those two dudes are like complete net shredders. Like they are big time shot makers. And Texas Tech is it can have like those moments, especially at home, where they can really get it going from three. And this is a TCU team that they struggle to score if you don't turn it over. And if you keep them off the offensive glass, like they can be forced into some, you know, rougher offensive stretches. Talking to Isaac Trotter, national basketball college basketball writer for 24-7 sports. And, and Isaac, I guess uh, looking forward a little a little bit, um, we saw some teams that had been thought of highly struggle and sort of kind of panned a little bit. We saw Kentucky take care of business on the road at Auburn. Uh, Wisconsin was among the top 16 teams seeded by the committee before Saturday's games. Now they're out of the top 25. They're at home tonight, maybe trying to get well. Is this a good time to try to to dump on some Wisconsin futures or some Wisconsin games moving forward uh, to maybe Sometimes you win by losing, and maybe they have started to figure this out. They got they got a, what they would what I would call a, a nice easy victory tonight against Maryland. Yeah, this is a interesting spot. I think uh, seven and a half is a lot in a game. You kind of expect it to be a low possession, grind it, gritty out, like grind it out, gritty game, like. It's going to be a slugfight. Like, I'd be stunned if there's not teeth on the floor. Both of these teams are going to go at each other. They're going to, it's just going to be like that, one of those type of brawls. But I just have a hard time backing Wisconsin from a futures perspective. You know, I understand it. They have a lot of guys coming back. They had a really nice start to the season. You know, AJ Storr's been nice to them. But every time I watch them, they just keep me wanting a little bit more. You know, they give up a lot of shots at the rim. Teams finish at the rim really well. That scares me a bit when you can't take away the easiest shot in basketball, a layup or a dunk. That that scares me a little bit. And Wisconsin struggles with that on the defensive end. And offensively, it feels like they're, you know, AJ Storr is a great piece for them and they needed it. But they still feel like one piece away. Now, maybe they get back to shooting it from three at a high level. They've struggled to shoot it um, at times. So maybe they, you know, start to see Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall get things back together. But I, I would stay away from that seven and a half tonight. If anything, if you really want something to look at it, you could potentially look at Tyler Wall overs. You, you're probably looking at solo coverage against guys he's a little bit bigger than tonight. He's played well. Lately, they're trying to get him the ball more to make up for some of the offensive struggles at other spots. But I just don't think a side or total for me is a, is a good spot against a Maryland team that I think is really talented and is going to play tough and going to play hard. And they tend to just play these two possession games. I feel like you're going to be just hoping you're on the right side of free throw variance in the last second if you're betting that seven and a half for Wisconsin. It's going to come down to the last minute and it's going to be a nine point game and Maryland's going to have the ball needing to make a shot. It doesn't sound super fun for me tonight. 
Isaac, I'm going to go back to the Big 12. Two ranked teams uh, going head-to-head here, Baylor and BYU. BYU laying four and a half points. Um, tell me what your thoughts are on this game. And just I want to, if you have a minute, just Baylor overall, like what you think of them kind of like, you know, heading down the stretch here. Yeah, this is a, a really interesting angle for me where BYU all year long, if they shoot over 35% from three, they win. And if they don't, they lose. So they go to Oklahoma State last on Saturday. If they don't shoot over 35% from three, they lose. That's how it is. At home, juiced up environment against a Baylor defense that's struggled at times to defend the three and can sometimes get lost in rotation. BYU is set up to have a pretty solid night. So I'd be surprised if they don't take care of business at home. Big picture, though, for Baylor – they're another one of those teams where they're they're counting on two freshmen to really play well. Like Jacoby Walter has to be awesome, and Eves Missy has to play awesome for for Baylor to really reach that ceiling. And early in the year, I was kind of fading them. I didn't have them ranked inside my top twenty five teams. I didn't think that they were going to be one of the better teams in college basketball. And they've started to prove me wrong a little bit early in the season. They had some nice wins. Then Big Twelve play hits, and it's still iffy. I think my overall vibe on them is I've gotten a little bit more in on them because of the shot making the shot making plays you know I, I think that when you got guys like Walter and then you have Jalen Bridges and then you have Jaden Nunn who can pop for 30 and Langston loves another guy when he gets healthy he can go for 27 points we've seen that I like teams like that and so overall right. for me I think my hesitancy with Baylor is like yeah they their defensive numbers aren't great you know they got freshmen in big spots that's scary in March because you don't really want to rely on the young guys in a college basketball age that has fifth year seniors six year seniors playing but this is a really talented team, and they can score. And they got one of the better coaches in college basketball, too, that has done just enough to make them – they were a train wreck defensively last year. They're not a train wreck. They're like a mediocre train wreck. They're just like a – they're just solid enough defensively to, to pass it across to, – to pass it off and make up mm-hmm. for it with a with an offense that can really have some juice. Isaac, I want we we get we give we have given Houston and deservingly so a lot of love uh, on this show after they went out and and knocked around Iowa State. But I want to I want to stay on the Cyclone side of it. Listen, they were up until this game, they were a sexy pick, Final Four. You know, some people had their tickets at thirty to one to win the national championship. They're actually at twenty to one despite the loss now to win the national championship. Um, where do you, where does Iowa State sit in your in your eyes now after this loss? I mean, it's one game, you know. And sometimes I've always said, you know, winning losing helps winning. Real quick, in about a minute, tell us about Iowa State and wh- how you see them moving forward. They're Houston light to me. They do everything that Houston does on a different level. And you know, I think if you're banking on Iowa State right now for 21, 20 to one, that isn't horrible. That's not really a horrible number at all. I understand it because I was impressed with them. All year long, I've been waiting for the the wheels to fall off with this group, and it, they just don't. TJ Otzelberger is a great coach. Every single year, he is getting the most out of this group. This roster has no business being this good, and Otzelberger is <laughs> a huge part of it. Like He is awesome at his job, one of the best coaches in the country, and Taman Lipsy's not even healthy right now. I think he looked really you know he was hobbled a little bit yesterday so if they get their point guard healthy and rolling back in march i like this team i really do even though they keep i keep thinking like they the wheels are going to fall off with them they keep proving me wrong and they got one of the best coaches in college basketball and they play defense really really well i i like that team they they are really really a fun watch yeah, you know, ain't no party like an Ames party. We know that. It's Isaac Trotter, National College Basketball Writer for 27 Sports. You can find him at Isaac underscore Trotter. Still plenty to get after here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. We've got G 
UTFO or oh yeah, Kentucky. You believing them as a Final Four team? We'll get after it next.